feels so good. Your Milwaukee Brewers literally cannot stop winning. A 7 to nothing deficit, it does not matter because they'll go on and win 15 to 7. Fly the L Chicago. You've now been swept by the Milwaukee Brewers. Rowdy, good morning. How does it feel, baby? How does it feel for your Milwaukee Brewers? Man, the Milwaukee Brewers sweeping the Cubs. Mm. Fly the L Chicago. And they thought, and the Cubs, Rowdy, Cubs fans everywhere, uh, I'm sure the players, the broadcast, everyone in between thought for sure that after the first inning, as the Cubs were up seven to nothing, that they had that game in the bag. Yeah, so I kept telling you <laughs> that uh, a lot of times when I stream it, you get uh, the opposing team's uh, feed. Yeah. So I got the Cubs feed yesterday. Yeah. And obviously the Cubs were pretty giddy after the first inning, right? Scored seven runs. Rightfully so. It's, well, pretty a pretty low shot of losing a game when you start up 7 nothing. <laughs> And that was what the broadcast kept talking about. They were talking about win probability and how after the first inning, the Chicago Cubs had a win probability that was over 94% after that seven-run spot. Yep. And then they kept referring back to that win probability. And by the time the Brewers had taken the lead, they kept saying, well, you know, when we were talking about the win probability being at <laughs> over 94, you know, that still does leave about 6% in which they could lose 6% of those games. Yeah, yeah. And they just kept talking about how, man, this really got away from the Cubs and that win probability. And I was just chuckling because they just kept hanging their hat on the win probability. And Ryan Sandberg was one of the three guys that's now yeah. on the uh, Chicago that, that, broadcast. Obviously. Cub legend. Oh, yeah. He's just sitting there and goes, that's why you play the games. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you play the games. Uh, I saw this funny stat. Um, it comes from a uh, guy who covered the White Sox. He said teams with a seven-run lead this season are 234-1 and one entering into yesterday. Well, Rowdy, that has now changed. That is two. Now it's 234 and too. Yeah, and that was the other thing that was mentioned on the Cubs broadcast. It was for the first time all season, the Cubs lost a game in which they were leading by more than three runs. Absolutely, absolutely incredible. <laughs> well, they've had they going into that series, the Chicago Cubs had the best bullpen in baseball. Man, did they get annihilated then? Did the Brewers like single handedly like drop them down like ten spots? I'm gonna or have to I'm gonna have to pull it up real quick and see where they currently are. Uh, absolutely incredible! Uh, what was able to accomplish yesterday for the Milwaukee Brewers? Um, looking at the stat sheet, uh, if you were a pitcher, I don't think you got a hit. But if you, I think everyone but did everyone but Christian Yelich get a hit yesterday in that game? Uh, let's see here. Unless you were a pitcher. Um. Wow. Wow, everyone, everyone. Unless you were a pitcher, everyone got a hit besides Christian Yelich. Oh, I take that back. Daniel Robertson didn't either, but he was a pinch hitter. Wow, Rowdy, did you get the bullpen stat up? They're now second in the league in bullpen, but I think the biggest thing is their ERA as a bullpen went up by nearly half a run, <laughs> just based on one series. One series so far, out of uh, which was three games out of an eighty-three game uh, half season. Absolutely incredible what the Brewers were able to accomplish yesterday. Yeah, let's start with the bad. Um, depending how you look at it, this is bad. 
But my guy, Aaron Ashby, his Major League debut, Rowdy, the Major League debut from Aaron Ashby, a lot left to be desired. As Aaron Ashby went two-thirds of an inning, he gave up four hits, seven runs, four of them were earned. He uh, did not get any strikeouts. He had 39 pitches, Rowdy, 18 of them were strikes. And after his uh, not even getting out of the first inning, his ERA right now sits at 54. We 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 tip our cap to Aaron Ashby and say, hey man, go get him next time you get called up in a situation like that. Or, you know, I'm sure your career is gonna be all right. But for the major league debut of Aaron Ashby, it's a lot left to be desired. One could argue though that he inspired the Milwaukee Brewers offense. Were you really expecting much though? Like I know that's that's a guy that they're looking forward to potentially being in the rotation next year. But I mean a major league debut, a shorthanded bullpen. And you figured that the guy wasn't going to throw more than two or three innings? Now, I wasn't expecting a lot from Aaron Ashby. Uh, I was hoping for the best, but I was not expecting him to leave the uh, first inning with an ERA of 54. A.K.A. giving up seven <laughs> runs and not getting out of the first? Yeah, I I didn't expect much from Aaron Ashby, but I didn't expect that. Um, I feel for the guy because that's definitely not how you want to start your uh, major league career, obviously. And... After a, after like the first or maybe in the second batter, he started to like really start forcing stuff and look like he was in his own head. So it all kind of like snowballed from there. But Aaron Ashby, I will go on the limb and say that you inspired the Brewers' offense. You didn't blow it for them. You inspired it for them. Well, also it didn't help with Willie Adams's big time error. Yeah, that did not. Yeah. Which obviously four runs were earned. Yeah. Seven total runs across the plate. But what about the rest of the bullpen coming in and shutting down the Cubs? Miguel Sanchez, obviously Trevor Richards, Hunter Strickland threw two innings. Hell yeah. Jake, Jake Cousins, Cousins and Brent Suter. Combined for eight and one-third innings of scoreless baseball, Rowdy. That's going to do the uh, Brewers bullpen wonders when you look at uh, yeah. ERA and whip. What are they at now? Do you have them up? Because they were, they were uh, for a lot of the start of the season, what, they were a very, were they... Were they last for a while in the bullpen? They weren't last, but they were in the bottom five bottom at times. Five. And so that they, was in the they've first, slowly worked their way up now. Yeah, first few weeks of the season. Never in Major League Baseball history has there ever been a first four innings like that ever. Brewers have been doing a lot of uh, historic things this year. Uh, also, we, let's see here. Roger and Stowe says the first time since 2013 that we have swept the Chicago Scrubs. Um. Yeah. Wow. We'll have to get the research department on that, but if that's the case, well done. That's crazy. Yeah, now the Milwaukee Brewers officially halfway through the season. We enter July 1st, and the Brewers and about half of the uh, half of Major League Baseball have officially hit that 81 games. So, Rowdy, you know what we're going to have to do today? Inspired by a text from young Nelson Raysback yesterday, we got to break down the Brewers position by position, Rowdy, and see how they stack up, right? I mean, wouldn't it just be apropos if we are halfway through? I mean... The Milwaukee Brewers, I think, have so far exceeded probably everyone's expectations. Oh my God! They aren't they the don't they have the biggest lead of any division? Six uh, games. Six games. They're up on the Cubs. Uh, NL East, Mets are up two on the Nationals. NL West, the Giants are up a game and a half on the Dodgers. Two and a half games up on the Padres. Uh, you go look at the American League. The AL East, the Red Sox are up three games on the Rays. The White Sox are up four games on the Indians. And the Astros are up half a game on the Oakland Athletics. Your Milwaukee Brewers, check this out, Rowdy. Your Milwaukee Brewers, despite having zero All-Stars, unless you count pitchers, zero All-Stars, 
have the biggest lead of anyone in the division, six games above their next team, the Cubs, and they're what? What what are they? Fifteen games above five hundred. Also, they're the hot the hottest team in baseball. As them and the Padres are the only two teams in baseball that are nine and one in their last ten, and the Milwaukee Brewers have won the most games in a row currently at eight straight games. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. I don't even Rowdy from where we were to start this year and to where we are now. Like how. I'm glad we have four hours because we might even be longer time than this. I'm glad we have four hours today, though, at least. How are the Brewers doing this? Obviously, it's good pitching. You see the bullpen coming about. Are the bats finally awake? I mean, we've seen them explode now, what, two days in a row? There are two games in this series where the Cubs were just insane. I guess that was on Tuesday and then or Monday then today. Well, we knew going into this month that the Milwaukee Brewers needed to get a lot of wins. They needed to get a lot of wins because this was a month in which every single team was under 500 except for the Chicago Cubs, which was the last series of the month. Yep. You had 27 games. 27 games this month, and you, you had to win at least 60% of them. So when I was looking at it, I figured 17, 17 wins going 17 and 10 was probably going to be a, a nice little month for them. That's something that they had to do yeah. to stay competitive with the division. And 16 probably you could get by with as well. Well, the Milwaukee Brewers 100% exceeded that against these worst teams. The, the Milwaukee Brewers right now are the best team in baseball, which is insane to say because it has been a roller coaster of emotions this season with the Brewers from them having literally no offense to lights out pitching, then the bullpen giving it up to the offense waking up. I mean, I guess the only constant has been what, Rowdy? The starting pitching for the most part? That's been the constant, right? Yeah. Other than that, it's been like a, a whirlwind of just different emotions every day. Milwaukee Brewers went nineteen and eight in the month of June. Wow, look at wow, crazy! Uh, we have some time to talk about the Brewers today because it is a it's a head scratcher in a good way. I figured that if they could win sixty percent of those games, which was about the seventeen to sixteen to seventeen wins this month, mm-hmm. that keep them on pace to where they needed to be. They won over seventy percent of their games in June. How's that bet looking for? Uh, for that over under season win total, extremely good. <laughs> and how about the Dodgers? How's that one looking for you for the under under uh, win total? Also in my favor. Wow, crazy. Uh, all right, here I got found some stats for yesterday's game. Fifteen unanswered runs after a seven and zero in the first. Cubs go up seven nothing. Fifteen unanswered runs. Eight game winning streak, their longest since the end of twenty eighteen. Six game division lead for the first time since July first of twenty fourteen. And, like we said a little earlier, thanks to our guy Roger in Stowe, first sweep of the Cubs in Milwaukee since April 2013. Wow. And that's just some of the crazy facts that come out of that game yesterday against the Chicago Cubs. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Looking here, I was looking at power rankings as we are hit the halfway point for majority of the teams. Uh, power rankings go as followed. Number one, the San Francisco Giants. They're kind of they're a surprise, right? They were what were they? They were supposed to finish. They like had a third win total their, around seventy-five. Wow, and they're fifty and twenty-nine. They're number one. Uh, the LA Dodgers come in at number two for the power rankings, forty-nine and thirty-one. Uh, not good news coming out for Trevor Bauer as he's now facing what uh, sexual assault allegations. That's obviously a blow to the LA Dodgers if he's going to be arrested, found guilty, missing time, you name it. 
So the LA Dodgers coming at number two. They're kind of underperforming, though, wouldn't you say? Well, I mean, their win total is 103.5. They're projected to win about... 98, 99 games right Okay, so, now. I mean, they're underperforming, but they're still They're an good. extremely good team. Yeah. Number three is the Houston Astros for the power rankings. They kind of uh, charged back in the first place this last month of June. Number four, the San Diego Padres. That NLS is, like, crazy. The San Diego Padres are number four. The Boston Red Sox, number five. The Tampa Bay Rays come in at six. The Chicago White Sox at number seven. They're a fun team. Uh, number eight, the Oakland Athletics. Number nine for the power rankings, your Milwaukee Brewers. And number 10 is the New York Mets. What do you think of the top well, 10 power rankings? I think it's surprising because if you actually look at records and record-wise, the Milwaukee Brewers are fifth. They have the, they're have they tied for the fifth best record in Major League Baseball. Yet in the in the uh, power rankings, they come in at nine. Now here's their little... So sp- obviously there's not quite the same respect as what the, the record is saying. Here's a little blurb on the Brewers. And we knew this, and we said, you know, entering into the month of June that they needed to do, uh, you know, take this month, you know, get out the stranglehold and separate themselves from the pack. So Milwaukee took command of the NL Central in June by taking advantage of the soft part of its schedule. The trade for Willie Adamas has added an offensive catalyst and a leader in the clubhouse. Keston Hira, Kest Daddy, hit 353 last week and has also helped turn Milwaukee into the division's team to beat since his return from AAA. That's the little blurb, blurb on the Milwaukee Brewers. I think it's obvious Willie Adamas is one of the reasons why the Brewers are where they are right now. Willie Adamas has been absolutely electric since they traded for him. And despite, as they suggest, Keston Hira, despite him up and down, what, twice from the minors? Is this his third time back this in the This is majors? his third, third stint with the Brewers this year. Well, I guess third time is the charm because Keston Hira has been looking pretty damn good since he's been back. I know it's a small sample size. But Rowdy, is it is it as they suggest? Literally, just Willie Adamas, the emergence of Keston here again. You got to throw Luis Urias in there as well. Urias has been lights out ever since the Orlando Arcia trade. I, it's it's obviously just not one thing. Yeah, it's a lot of different things going into it. I think it is a big thing is Willie Adamas because since they acquired him, it seems like he's brought some energy to this team. Big time. And there's been other guys that have picked up their games since the acquisition of Willie Adamas, and that's definitely a thing. An- another th- thing, we'll say, that goes into this is the fact that they just played a-, a month of 27 games where they only saw one team that had a record above 500 and it was the Cubs, and they swept them. Mm-hmm. So not only are they playing good baseball, but they're playing a lot of teams that weren't playing very good baseball. And that's, I mean, that's no fault of the Brewers. I mean, you had to capitalize no, on it, they and they had, did just that. They had to win. And they, you, had, what you they have did. to win, and you have to win series, and you have to beat the teams you're supposed to. And they did exactly that. Yep. And they did that at a higher clip than I think most people were expecting, even with that type of a schedule. Totally. I myself thought for them to continue to be competitive for this, um, for this division. Because I thought that the the person or the team that wins the NL Central would need about 90 wins. Mm-hmm. I thought that they would have to win 16, maybe 17 games this month to continue that pace to be about 90 wins, especially with some of the months that they have ahead. Well, they didn't win 16 or 17. They went 19 and 8. They won over 70% of their games this month. Incredible. So they... A hundred percent took care of business against the lower level teams. Look at, I mean, I think this kind of this month of June is kind of what you get with the Milwaukee Brewers. Remember when the Arizona Diamondbacks were on a seventeen game losing streak, and the Milwaukee Brewers went into Arizona and lost in an abysmal performance 
to one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball, and we were beside ourselves. And then last yesterday afternoon, the Brewers against the Cubs, who Cubs obviously have a record over 500. The Chicago Cubs are up seven to nothing in the first inning. Brewers storm back to win 15 to seven. Like what a what a wild month of June it was for the Milwaukee Brewers, and they won what nineteen and eight? Did you nineteen say? and eight in twenty seven games this month. Wow, this this Brewers team is a wild roller coaster of emotion, and it's it's fun. It's a uh, it's fun, and the thing is, we got to break it down even more, Rowdy, because I mean, we did a little bit on the offense there. It's a been a carousel of players in the lineup, right? You've had so many guys injured on the IL, yada yada yada. And then you have all these random guys from like Jace Peterson, Tyrone Taylor, then Willie Adams comes in. You have Luis Urias who commits like eight errors in one game, but then all of a sudden he's a beast with a stick. It's cra- It's been but crazy. No we, Travis Shaw. You talk about how the Brewers took care of business against lesser, lesser teams, mm-hmm. which they had to do, and they did. But you also have to look at the fact that they played the NL West here, who is yeah. who is arguably the best division in baseball with the AL East. And against the uh, NL West, the Brewers are eighteen and six. It's crazy. They're six and one against Arizona, four and two against Colorado, three and one against the Dodgers, and five and two against the Padres. So not only have they taken care of business against those crappy teams, but they've beaten the NL West and they've beaten them pretty soundly, even if it's the Dodgers or the Giants or the Padres, which are three of the top five teams in baseball. This Brewers team, who are you? I love you, but who are you? Like, I can't get a, a grip. And that's why it's so frustrating when they went through, like, that two-week span where they couldn't win a game. All right, Rowdy. You've been crunching numbers nonstop. You're in the research department. Um, so the stage is yours. Milwaukee Brewers, take it away, young Nels. Okay, so going into the season, I believe a lot of the predictions on teams that would win the NL Central, they had to get to about 88, 89 wins. Obviously, we've seen it play out, and my personal opinion is that about 90 wins would get it done for the NL Central this year. Mm-hmm. And now, when you look at the Milwaukee Brewers being 81 games into the season, exactly halfway through this Major League season as we turn the page to July 1st, they're on pace. No, no, no. Not to win 90 games, which I think gets it done. They're actually on pace. To win 96 games. 96 games. I don't Chess even kiss. I don't even think the biggest Brewer fans out there predicted 96 games. I think I said 88. I think the highest I 87, heard. 88. I think the highest I heard from anyone was 91. Yeah, was that Tommy? It could have been. Yeah. So they're definitely wow. exceeding expectations. And right they have now. no all-stars. They have no all-stars from the field. From the field. Potentially could have four all-stars as pitchers. No all-stars in the field. None. Zero. Zip. Zilch. So they're on pace to win 96 games. They're playing good baseball. They have a six-game lead in the NL Central. It's the biggest division lead in baseball. They're playing well. We briefly talked about like their batting, about how the batting average is still one of the worst in Major League Baseball. It's tied for last, right? I think when you look at it, though, and a lot of analytics people will tell you this, OPS is probably more important when it comes to analytics in in baseball-driven stats these days than strictly batting average. And what you see with the OPS from the Milwaukee Brewers lately is that it is creeping up. Now with all of the versus the right-handers, left-handers, everything all combined, 
they are creeping up closer to 20th, which is, but it like, it's funny, but it's a hell of a far cry from where they were in the bottom few. Yeah. So you're seeing that it's improving. It is. Then you, you look at runs per game. Remember we were such sticklers about how bad their runs per game were, especially in that first month and a half. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if you remember, they were right around three and a half runs per it was, game. It was worse than the 2020 campaign, wasn't it? Exactly. And in 2020, their was offense bad. was a lot more to be desired, but it, for the most part, felt like it was better than this year's offense. Yeah. Especially when we were hammering at home the first month or two of the season. Well, in 2020, they averaged 4.12 runs per game. Right now, in 2021, after this nice little series with the Cubs, their current runs per game is 4.32 runs per Moving game. On up. So they are now officially better than where they were in 2020. And not only that, they're now ranked 16th in runs per game. That's damn near middle of the pack. Moving on up, Rowdy. We're moving so on they're, up. So they're starting to score runs. We're starting to see their OPS creep up. We're starting to see better at-bats, better ap- approaches at the plate. But But it's not only that the hitting's getting a little bit better. It's not only that they're scoring more runs. You also have to look at the bullpen because the bullpen, remember when it started out, was a bottom five bullpen for like the first month or so. You're correct. And then by the end of the second month, they kind of creeped up into that 20th range where they were bottom 10 or so. You look at the bullpen and, and you look at it by ERA right now, they're 11th. Wow. And and they've they've basically have continued to creep up. And you look up because I think the most important things to look up when you're looking at a bullpen, it's ERA and whip. Sure. Because if you have a low whip, which is walks and hits per innings pitch, you're going to have a lower shot, obviously, to have a lower ERA mm-hmm. and just be better overall. Well, for ERA, like I just said, they're 11th in Major League Baseball. For whip, they're 16th. Okay. So what you're seeing is the fact that they're middle of the road to starting to get up into that top, close to that top 10. That's a good sign for the Milwaukee Brewers. And I think you've seen a difference once, well, A, Devin Williams started to get healthy. Yeah, his shoulder wasn't bugging him, and he was locating his pitches. Brad Boxberger was f- officially kind of moved into that later inning role, like a seventh inning guy. He was getting filthy. And I, I want to say it was, again, the Willie Adamas trade, but I'm not talking about Willie Adamas. I'm talking about Trevor Richards, who's come in and pitched quite well. Yes. A guy that not only has some starting ability, but they're using him out of the bullpen and he's been he's been good. Look at the addition of what Hunter Strickland, who's been good in brief Hunter appearances. Strickland, a guy that got absolutely blown up by the Angels, but looked good earlier before he was with the Angels with the Rays, and he's a guy that's had past success, kind of like a Brad Boxberger, where he's just kind of finding himself. Yeah, he's thrown the ball well. Again, he gave them two innings yesterday, which he's not a guy. If you look at in his career when he was in his prime, that's really going to go two innings. How he about? Was, uh, Brent Suter's been good in long relief. I mean, Suter's good at what he's good at. He's not a late inning reliever. No. He is a long reliever. He is a spot starter. He is good at his role. When you force him into other roles, he's out of his element. You're out of your element, Donnie. But I think a good thing of what the Brewers did is they finally, because there was never an issue with the Milwaukee Brewers and the number of arms they had. It was quality arms. It's quality of arms. Because we've seen them in years past running, you know, five guys between AAA and Major League Baseball. Yeah. Well, this year, they finally dumped some of those arms that just, frankly, just aren't that good, right? Mm-hmm. Like, look at some of the guys that they had up on the big leagues that now all of a sudden 
are no longer with the big league club. I'm going to look at guys and, and mention guys like Eric Yardley. That was a guy that has been on their roster for multiple seasons now. And for the majority of that time have not been great. Yeah. Like they've gotten rid of those type of relievers and they found relievers that have live arms. You went, I, I don't even want to continue to harp on Eric Yardley I don't want to even say he has a dead arm. He just doesn't have he's a doesn't good have arm. arm. Yeah, he's not a major look, league arm. Look at the guys that they've brought up recently in the last look few at weeks. Jake Cousins. Jake Cousins. He's got a live arm. The guy has a legit slider. He's guy nasty. has a legit fastball. He's a legit reliever out of the bullpen. How about even Miguel Sanchez? Yeah, he threw two and a third yesterday. He's a guy with a live arm that can get outs. They have guys in there. They just have to find the right ones that and it that seems can like be they're doing it put together in the right places to make that bullpen. And they're doing it, and they are doing it. And you've seen that David Stearns, Craig Council, and the Milwaukee Brewers basically since 2017, 2018 have been able to long term find pieces for the bullpen and find guys that just fit and just work. Yeah. So I I do have faith that the bullpen will continue to creep up there, and I wouldn't be surprised that by the end of the year. If the bullpen stays healthy and Josh Hader continues to be locked down, Devin Williams continues to get healthy and can throw strikes and the rest of the guys fall into place. I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the year by ERA and whip, this is a top 10, top 12. For sure. That's where they're trending. Bullpen. That's where they're trending. They're trending up. Which right now, yeah, overall, they're probably a little bit more closer to the pack. We've talked about the starting pitching. Oh, lights out. Electric. The starting pitching is top seven. It's top seven in the league, and you not you, only is you, it what three guys that are top fourteen for the Cy Young Woodruff second, Burns is third, and Peralta's fourteen. Yes, in Cy Young, in Cy Young odds currently in Vegas, you have three guys that are currently in the top fourteen in the NL. Crazy, and you have two of them in the top three. Yeah, and that's <laughs> that's Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta. Those guys have been phenomenal. Yep, we've talked about them a ton. Adrian Hauser has been a guy that's been nothing but steady and solid. And especially when Adrian Hauser's your four in your rotation, that's saying something. Totally. And then the combination of your left-hander, whether it be Brett Anderson or Eric Lauer so far, has been good enough, especially for a five-starter and kind of a change of pace, a guy that necessarily doesn't throw as hard and is left-handed. Those guys have been good enough. And if you continue to get those type of starts from those guys, it's only going to continue to be a good rotation. God, the Brewers are just crushing. So now you have a rotation that's by far in the top 10, right around top five. You have a bullpen that is creeping up to being just outside the top 10. And you have a team that is now scoring runs right in the middle of the pack. And you're seeing some progress in the, the batting between the guys. You have to kind of look at some of the individual players, right? Mm -hmm. And when you look at some of the individual players, you look at guys like Willie Adamas, a guy that has absolutely torn the cover off the baseball for you. That he's, was, the, he's the MVP of the Brewers this year. And he was a good he was a good player in Tampa. He was a solid shortstop in Tampa. He's a plus fielder with a plus arm. He's a guy that he was a career 255 hitter. He'd hit about 15 home runs, comes into a more hitter-friendly park, he even talked about how he likes the park better, how it is hitter-friendly, how he likes the fans. Well, Willie, Willie Adamas is hitting 239. He's raised his batting average 42 points wow. since he got there from, from uh, Tampa, and that's over a, a month and a half maybe. Wow. 
Then you look at Arias, who a lot of people thought they were throwing him in the trash. Well, Orlando they Arcia, were, we miss you. They were over him. Yeah, Orlando Arcia, where are you at? Well, he's in AAA. He hasn't even made it out of AAA. Arias, since being since the Willie Adamas trade, has raised his batting average 40 points. He's nearly hitting 250. Crazy. And Wild. not only that, how about some of the pop that he's provided? He's not a huge guy. They've talked about it over and over. He was a guy that they would have been thankful to hit 15 home runs this year. Arias is second on the team with 10. <laughs> he's a crushing. He, he, he's on pace for 20 home runs, which is better than his average. Totally. Willie Adamas, we talked about him. He's on pace to hit almost 25 home runs, which is better than his average. And it's all because they're playing in that hitter-friendly park. They're playing well. But you still have a guy in Colton Wong. If he was healthy all year, he probably could have been the starter at second base. Yeah. And he never came back for the Cup Series, what they said he was going to do. But he's so, not going to the IL. So maybe he's coming back, back this, the, weekend. Yeah, this weekend. Then you also have Omar Nervias, who's been a great catcher. He's a guy that should have been in the top three in All-Star voting. He's been solid. He only had one stint on the IL. And then it's the Christian Yelichs. He's still working good at bats. You need to see more from him, especially if you want to... Um, see a deeper run into the playoffs. For sure. You're seeing Keston here bounce back. You're seeing some of these guys like Avicel Garcia being productive. It's a lot of guys going in the right step. Jackie Bradley Jr. starting to hit the baseball a little bit better. But what I really want to say is I was watching some MLB Network and they had Harold Reynolds on there. And <laughs> thankfully, I only watched for about a half hour, but they had about a 10-minute clip on the Milwaukee Brewers and what they were doing. And I 100% agree with what Harold Reynolds says. He said, this Milwaukee Brewers team isn't necessarily dangerous in the regular season. They're a good team. Don't get them wrong, right? They're a good team. But the biggest hurdle for the Milwaukee Brewers, because of how good the NL West is, where most likely the NL West is going to get three teams. Yes. And they're probably going to get the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Padres. That leaves the NL Central with your division winner making the playoffs. If you don't if you don't win the division, you're, you're probably done. not going to make the playoffs. But he goes, if the Brewers can make the playoffs and win that division, they're a dangerous team in the playoffs for one reason and one reason only. Look at the starting pitching. Totally. We all know that like in the NBA where you shorten your bench, you shorten your rotation in the playoffs. And look at them. If you can go with a three-man rotation of Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta, and Money. maybe once and occasionally have to go to Hauser. Money. That's going to be a tough team to beat because they don't give up much runs. And even though the offense is continuing to get a little bit better, if they can get to middle of the road and score enough runs and timely runs, that can be a team that can be a problem and make a deep run. I'm not guaranteeing they'll win the World Series, but they could be competitive with the Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants in the NL in deeper series when you have those three horses. Rowdy just unconsciously went in on the Brewers and it was electric. Loved it. Also today, a... National holiday for one man. It's probably the greatest day ever for one man and one man alone. Happy Bobby Bonilla Day. Another installment of $1.19 million appeared in his bank account at 12.01, and I guarantee that man woke up smiling, laughing, and having the best day of his life because I guarantee you every July 1st is the best day Bobby Bonilla has ever lived because he gets another $1.19 million in his bank account. So obviously that's deferred money, and it's been deferred forever. Yep, until 2035, when he'll be 72 is when it stops. 72. Could you imagine being retired by age, like, we'll just say 40, uh-huh. and then getting paid over a million dollars for the next 30-plus years? That's incredible. Oh, my God. 
Bobby Bonilla Day. And check this out. The Mets yesterday um, teased that they had a big announcement on Bobby Bonilla Day. Well, the Mets have released their announcement. The Mets have announced that Bobby Bonilla will serve as a host to four lucky guests who can enter to sleep at City Field on July 28th in a partnership with Airbnb. You get a nice little, like, it's it's like an office space converted into, like, a tiny little, like, efficiency apartment. Yeah, the deal includes watching a doubleheader, singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game, throwing out the first pitch, and sleeping at City Field with Bobby Bonilla as your host in a little like apartment. Sleeping. It's <laughs> it's two little it's two little like double beds. Uh Mr. Met and Mrs. Met are in there chilling on a little like love seat recliner thing. Looks looks kind of cool to be honest with you. But yeah, you get to sleep at City Field. Uh, not sure if Bobby Bonilla bunks with you or not, but he is the host, and you can get to watch a doubleheader and sing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" and throw out the first pitch. Okay, I kind of want to do this because I think it might be fun. But you, you obviously, stay at City Field? no, <laughs> I'm talking about Bobby Bonilla's contract was deferred, and obviously, it was deferred for over 30 years. Do you, do you want to look at the Wisconsin teams and who they're currently deferring money to? Uh, you have it up, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am intrigued. You had my uh, curiosity, but now you have my attention. So the Bucks have two guys that they have deferred money to for the future. I know these ones. John Luer is still making three point, almost $3.2 million this year with the Bucks. When's he done? He is done after next season. He'll, okay. he'll make another 3.2 next season. Another one's obviously Larry Sanders. And Larry Sanders, who's making a little less than $1.9 million this year in deferred salaries. And he is under the last year of his deferred money next year as well to make $1.9. <laughs> what about Brewers? All right. I'll get some of the lower level ones out of the way. Justin Smoke, if you oh remember my him God. from last year, they deferred payment to him, so he's making a million dollars. By the way, he is not even employed by any major league baseball team this year. No, he's sitting on his couch. You also have Brock Holt. Uh Brock Holt, who didn't even make it half of a sixty game season. Yeah, and he is employed this year by the Texas Rangers, but the Brewers are still paying him seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow. And these are just the more or less the funny ones here for the Brewers since it's uh, many of, well, we'll say about half the fans' favorite shortstop. Orlando Arcia still deferred payment of sixty-five grand for the rest of the year for the Milwaukee oh, Brewers. Sixty-five grand, okay. And Wisconsin favorite son, Jordan Zimmerman, <laughs> deferred contract of $65,000 for the Milwaukee Brewers. $65,000 deferred for Zimmerman. He appeared in what? two games and got torched. That's a nice little living. If you can do it, huh? Yeah, totally. But who's the big name that, uh, I Ryan Joseph Braun, Ryan Braun How much is, is he getting? the, is really the only payment the Milwaukee Brewers have past this season that is deferred and How much Brewer is fans. So Come this, on, hit me with it. this season, remember Ryan Braun was under contract this year for $15 million a year, but he had a buyout yep. and it was a club option for 4 million. Yep. So basically the Milwaukee Brewers and David Stearns decided that they would rather pay Ryan Braun $4 million to stay home and not play baseball this year than $15 million to play for the Milwaukee Brewers this year. So Ryan Braun staying on his couch is making $4 million this year. Well, starting in 2022 and going for 10 seasons, 
the Milwaukee Brewers have deferred Ryan Braun $1.8 million a year. So in 2022, <laughs> he will be 38 years old and he'll make $1.8 million and it'll be every single year of his life through age 47. Hey, good for Braun. I ain't going to play or hate. Good for Braun. So Ryan Braun. At least he's not getting it until he's 72 years old that's like 20, Bobby Bonilla. Great math here. Over the next 10 years, that's 28 total million dollars that they'll have deferred to Ryan Braun. To just chill. And the Packers actually, right now, nothing nothing crazy for deferred payments. Christian Kirksey, $2 million. That's a deferred payment. Yep. Ricky Wagner, one point seven. Hey, Ricky. And then it's a lot of practice squad guys or guys that were cut. Only one guy is uh, already under deferred payments past uh, next year, and that is Delonte Scott, a defensive end. Never heard of him. Delonte Scott. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> There's a lot so, of money So outside of those big names that they had to cut to free up salary and uh, – that helped with some of the extensions that they signed or reworkings of the contract. Remember early in the offseason, Kirksey and Wagner yeah. were two of the big names that were cut. That's really the only big deferred money for the Packers. Delonte Scott signed with the practice squad on September 6th of 2020. He's from Southern Methodist. Delonte Scott. Yep. The Brewers, or not the Brewers, the Packers had deferred money of about $830,000 to him. Well, good on you, Delonte. <laughs> yeah, well good, done, well done, buddy. You. Good for you. No one knows who you are, but you made eight hundred and thirty thousand in that deal. <laughs> Props to him. That's a, a guy can wish that could happen to him. Actually, did you look? You look at it though. Packers don't have a ton of deferred no cap money, especially anything major. It's you got less than four million between the you know the bigger names. Yeah, the Bucks after next season they kind of get rid of all their deferred cap with Lure and and Sanders. There's really nothing after that. And the Brewers after this season won't really have anything but one point eight million dollars for the next ten years for Brawny. Brawny. Yeah, look at that. There you go. How'd no. you like to be the bean counter for all these uh, sports teams? Be pretty interesting how you make it all work. You know, I would love to know if those guys were just staying up late at night crunching numbers with their abacus to the wee hours of the morning. Hey, speaking of the Packers, got to talk Bucks coming up here. Got comments from Mike Budenholzer. Uh, speaking of the Green Bay Packers, <laughs> Z in the D message, and he goes, "I think Justin, Justin Smoke. Smoke just signed with the Korean baseball team." Hey, good on him. Hope you have a. A successful career in Korea. Go go, blow some smoke over there, my brother. All right, Rowdy, speaking of Packers, before we get back to the Bucks and hear from uh, Mike Budenholzer, Derek Carr earlier this week was uh, making some mention. Remember like two weeks ago he said if, if uh, he got traded that he would just retire because he couldn't see himself playing for anyone else? Yeah. I'm like, okay. That's ridiculous. Okay, okay, guy. Yeah, sure. It's not like the Raiders have been that great with you there. Yeah, let's – you're going to retire if they trade you uh, when there's millions of dollars on the line and you're like in your prime. Yeah, mm-hmm. makes sense. All right, Rowdy, but how about this? Derek Carr was mentioning this. Now, if you remember correctly, Derek Carr, uh, he did play for Fresno State in college. Who else played at Fresno State with Derek Carr? That would be Packers wide receiver Devontae Adams, who right now is in this kind of uh, waiting period to see if he's going to remain a Green Bay Packers because his contract is coming up uh, here after this year. That would be Devontae Adams. Yeah, that also appears to be Adams. Uh, Devontae Adams won't really talk about much because he has acknowledged that he is somewhat tied to Aaron Rodgers and what Aaron Rodgers does. Uh, if I'm the Packers brass like Russ Ball and all money we were just talking about, I would be, and you know Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur, I'd be trying to, if Rodgers doesn't come back, 
I mean, Devontae Adams is your second best player on that team. I'd be trying to everything in my power to make Devontae Adams happy and make sure he stays in the green and gold. Well, Devontae Adams really won't comment on his contract talks. He did, like I alluded to, he did allude himself to talking about how he's somewhat tied to Aaron Rodgers. Well, Derek Carr would very much, again, like to play football with his good friend and former college teammate Devontae Adams. Derek Carr, in an interview earlier this week, said, quote, I'll just continue to be me and let this thing kind of work itself out uh, and see what happens. I'm sorry, that's what uh, Devontae Adams had said. Derek Carr Willow was saying that he was going to actively be recruiting Devontae Adams to play for the Las Vegas Raiders. Adams said in an interview, quote, Obviously, I love Derek to death. We've got a great friendship, and we still communicate really, really consistently. He's one of my best friends. Obviously, it would be a dream to be able to play with him. Now, if I stop right there, if I'm like normal mainstream media, I blow that out of proportion and say Devontae Adams is leaving Green Bay, Packers are doomed, how dare they, everything is doomsday. Here's the thing. We're not mainstream media like that. We are keeping it real media. Devontae Adams went on to say, but I'm a Packer now. Until that point when I make the decision, I guess we just got to and we'll see what happens. Rowdy, if he Devontae, didn't say now. He, did, he said, I'm a Packer now. You are correct. Is this, should we be concerned about Derek Carr actively recruiting Devontae Adams, former college teammate and friend, good friend who I guess communicate on a regular basis, should we be concerned about Derek Carr actively, um, you know, trying to get Devontae Adams to come to Las Vegas as Aaron Rodgers is out there uh, living his best life out in Hawaii and going on looks like peyote trips? Well, I know one thing, and I know that if Derek Carr played in the NBA and he played for the Milwaukee Bucks, this would definitely be tampering. <laughs> Very correct. Or if his name was Magic Johnson, it would be tampering. Yeah, he'd be fine for tampering. On this one, I'm not too concerned because... You obviously they're teammates. They were teammates in college. They were friends. Sound like they're still good friends. They were obviously both good players at Fresno. They're both good players in the NFL. Mm. I'm not too worried about it because you already said another name that's kind of in this triangle, and it's Aaron Rodgers. And we all know that Devontae Adams has kind of kind of said that he's kind of waiting for Aaron Rodgers and to see what the Packers do with that before he wants to make a decision about his career because it could impact not his next contract because we know he's going to get a nice contract no matter where he plays. For sure. It's probably the contract after that where if he plays with a good quarterback like Aaron Rodgers for the next, you know, two, three, four years, he's going to be about what? 33, 34 probably after the next contract. And it would be his legit last it'd, one. It'd be his last and it would be now. the biggest one he'd be able to. He's, he's 28 right now. And he's not going to get probably more than a four-year deal from the Packers. Yeah. So he'd be he'd be looking at I want to play with a better uh, quarterback because I'm looking for another contract after that. Well, obviously Aaron Rodgers is is a guy that Andrew you want to be with. Andrew Cashco. And it's not like Derek Carr is a schlep though, because remember how they I, were like, running, I think he's a good quarterback. They like were Derek running Carr. through all of the different, you know, well, we might have a trade with the 49ers lined up. There mm. might be one with the Broncos, Broncos the Raiders, there's the Dolphins, oh. there's the Raiders. Honestly, out of all those, my favorite one was the Raiders. If you could have got two or three first round picks, Same. maybe a defensive starter and Derek Carr, because I like Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr has a lot of talent. I think people in Green Bay would come around to Derek Carr after they saw him play for a little bit because 
in my opinion, he kind of reminds you of a poor man's Brett Favre. Yeah, I like Derek. I like Derek. I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback. I and like Derek he'd be a hell of a. He was a guy that was a fringe MVP candidate just yeah. less than a handful of years ago. Yeah, he plays in a bad organization that is the Oakland Raiders, where he hasn't Las Vegas necess- now. or yeah, Las Vegas Raiders, where he hasn't necessarily been surrounded with the best talent or hasn't necessarily had the best front office, the greatest minds. Exactly. Around. I think he could be a lot better, especially on a Packers roster, especially with some of the players and picks that the Packers have around him. Now, I'm not advocating to go out and trade for Derek Carr right now. <laughs> I want Aaron Rodgers, and I still think Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback sure. starting this year. But I'm saying I wouldn't have minded if the quarterback they went on got was Derek Carr. I think people would have been a lot happier than sure. what they would have originally well, thought. Well, sticking with the Packers here, Devontae Adams is still under contract for one more year. Then tr- the true leverage game begins between him and the brass of green and gold. But here's the thing. So I don't if the, if Rodgers is indeed gone, don't you think the Packers back up the Brinks truck to Devontae Adams? They might try. I don't think that's necessarily smart, though. Well, I'm not saying it's smart either, but... I don't think they would. Could could they if, sell if, could they no, sell to the fan base that Rodgers and Devontae Adams are now gone? They don't care. Hmm. And they wouldn't do it. Think about it. T- one you're of the best about, wide receivers in the game. You're talking about one of the best quarterbacks in the game, and we know that quarterback's the most position or most important position in football, and they're not you know, they're not bending over completely backwards for Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Like if they bent over for Aaron Rodgers, not only would they have been flying out to California three times. They would have been back in the Brinks truck up. They would have asked him what he wanted for a contract, money and years and stipulations. They would have went out and drafted, well, not Jordan Love and whoever he wanted if they were really going to bend over for Aaron Rodgers and do whatever he wanted. Wouldn't you have thought they would already have done that? Yeah, I mean, he's they have the best lo- player they have on your more, team. He is. They have he's more the leverage. face of your franchise. He's the guy that's been there forever. If they're What's not the, going to do it for him, why the hell would they do it for Devontae? Well, you Adams? have you have Jordan Love on a rookie deal. If Rodgers is gone, you have Jordan Love on a rookie deal. And if you go back and look at all the people that are winning Super Bowls outside of a guy named Tom Brady, you got these rookie deal quarterbacks that uh, they pay other star players around them big money, and then they go on and have a nice little you know run in the playoffs and maybe hoist the Vince Lombardi Trophy. Yep. They could back the brink to jump up to Devontae to keep him because he is one or the second best wide receiver in the game, and then Jordan Love's on the rookie deal. But if you think about that too, Jordan Love being on a rookie deal, you get you get the uh, Rodgers money. Yep. If you do get, you get rid Rogers of money, you get you get rid of Devonte Adams, you get the Adams money, and then pretty much every single year, but the pandemic year, the cap, the salary cap has Gone increased, up. so you're going to get that difference. And I think they were talking about what was it about 185 million last year, something around there. They're yeah. talking about. Was it after next year? It could be like two fifteen. Yeah, that's that's almost thirty five million dollar increase right there. Plus the Rogers money, plus Devonte Adams money. They're gonna have a ton of money if they didn't do that. And let's not forget that Devonte Adams is twenty eight right now. He'll be twenty nine after that contract. We know that receivers, for the most part, hit hill hit their hills in, in their primes around thirty. Do you really want to be? Having a Devontae Adams for four years at a high amount of money, knowing you only have about one really prime year left of him. Well, if he keeps doing what he's doing, I mean, you'd want him around because then you're bringing in guys that you don't know if they're going to be in the Devontae Adams level. But you could say, I got all this money. Why don't I get a guy that's 25 and doing the same thing? Yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of moves to be made and a lot of thinking to be done from the brass up there in Titletown. I don't think they bend over backwards for Devontae Adams just like uh, Aaron Rodgers but I would like to see both of them in a Packers jersey for the next three years for sure 
right, there you go. What's what? What do you do? Pop quiz, hot shot. There's a bomb on the bus. What do you do? All right, boys. How about this? Thinking things that uh, might have been blown out. Giannis Adendakumbo's knee. Not the case for the Greek freak, as there is no structural damage to Giannis's left knee. Uh, they say the ligaments are sound, as sources tell Zach Lowe and Adrian Wojnarowski of the NBA. But the timetable to return is unclear. He is listed as doubtful, not out, doubtful for tonight's Game 5 action at the Pfizer hey, Forum. James Harden was doubtful. Yeah, Rowdy said at the beginning of a day. Rowdy did say that. Well, yeah. actually, I think he started as out. Yes. And then it was reported, you know, at 9, 10 in the morning that he was doubtful. And then by noon, he was questionable. And then I believe by 3, he was playing. Yeah. <laughs> and not not playing as well as you'd think for or hope for James Harden and if you're a Nets fan. <laughs> but, yes, he was playing indeed. Giannis is uh, doubtful, though. I don't think he's going to be playing tonight. I don't think he plays either. But I still made that bet on the Razor's Edge at Bucks minus two. Yeah. Yep. Thinking that Giannis isn't playing and that Trey Young is playing. Yep. U- ultimate hype man, Thanasis, taking those minutes? <sighs> Hopefully not. <laughs> well, maybe a little more Bobby Portis action. And let's, uh, as we told Giannis Dendekuba once, don't take a lot of threes. Bobby Portis, let's not take a lot of threes, Yeah, as you did in game four. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's got to be this game where, I mean, that's why Rowdy's betting on him in the razor's edge. You need to see the Chris Middleton from the fourth quarter in game three. You need to see K-Money, Rowdy, take over. It's all hands on deck. Because if you, if you roll over and lose this game to the Hawks, doesn't matter if they have Trey Young and you don't have Giannis, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, you're done. You're do you, done. Do you really You're think? D-U-N. Do you really think that? Done. Because at this point, I don't think the Bucks probably even know if they'll have Giannis on Saturday. Nope. I, I'm going to let him say he's not playing Saturday. Do you really think that, well. that they can come back, go win on the road at Atlanta, and then win a game seven at the Pfizer Forum? If you if you can't win with your backs against the wall in a game five at home. What says you're going to do it in Game Six on the road or Game Seven at home? No doubt. I mean, the crowd, the crowd, even before Giannis was hurt in Game Four, was definitely in the Milwaukee Bucks' head. I mean, Giannis was airballing two free throws, yeah, and they just looked like they were like, well, with, a shell of themselves with with Crime Mob in the yeah, Nuck if you buck, Crime Mob, <laughs> early two thousands jam, one hit wonder. I actually think they had one other hit too, some about stilettos or something. Uh, but yeah, I'll have to play it for you during break. It's can't air it, uh, but. Tonight, there is an opportunity for Chris Middleton to show everyone all the doubters and the naysayers and the haters of just how good he truly is. He's an Olympian. Team USA has selected him you know, to compete. You have a guy who's paid the most amount of money on the court for both teams. You have a guy that also uh, had shown a flash in Game 3 in that fourth quarter and put the team on his back. Now you need to see Chris Middleton put the team on his back also. Looking at Drew Holiday as well. Uh, Rowdy, you had called for Drew Holiday to have a great series, right, against the Atlanta Hawks? Yeah, and he came out in the first two games and was balling. It was basically him and Giannis, and, and Middleton was non-existent. Yeah. Then game three, obviously Giannis was the constant, and Middleton went off, especially in the fourth quarter. And then game four, really nobody did anything. Yeah. And now, once again, you're going to have to look at Holiday and say, hey, you have a good matchup. You're going to have to step step up here. And not only that, but Chris Middleton, you need to show up for more than just one quarter. I want to put a Twitter poll out here. If you have faith that the Bucks cast, supporting cast outside of Giannis will step up and get it done. I got to put a Twitter poll up. What do, what do you think the poll should be? Like, do you have faith that Chris Middleton and company can, you know, win this game? Or do you have faith 
that the Brewers supporting cat or the Bucks supporting cast could lift themselves up. How about just win? a nice easy one? Do the Bucks win tonight? You got it. I'll I'll put that out. What level of faith do you have? Hill, George Michael. <laughs> and probably you should probably specify it with um the fact that it's you should probably have a disclaimer saying under the guise that Giannis doesn't play tonight, do you have faith in the Bucks winning? Yes or no? Are oh, you got it? I think I don't think Giannis is going to be playing, but I'll I'll put the little disclaimer in there because I don't want you know people. All right, well, so I'll put I it said up. without any injuries. <laughs> hey, that sounds like someone I know. <laughs> sounds like someone's on after us. All right, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna work on the verbiage of the Twitter poll. I'm gonna put up at Zone Madison. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna hear from Mike Budenholzer. Game five tonight. Pfizer form. Your Milwaukee Bucks hosting the Atlanta Hawks. Tip off at 7.30. The Twitter poll is out at Zone Madison. Assuming that Giannis is out tonight, which I think we're all assuming that, do you think the Bucks beat the Hawks? A simple yes or no question. Right now, yes has the lead. I already voted, and I said yes. They have to. This is it. This is uh, a team that has, on paper, a better roster. Chris Middleton. Is this a must-win game? Is this a must-win game? Uh, yes. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, Olympians. Also, listen, they're the two and the three of your big three. I've seen teams been able to, you know, compete without Giannis. I've seen them win without Giannis in the regular season. We'll see if it happens in the postseason. But this is a moment for Chris Middleton to silence the haters. Well, when you if you go into this series and you just think about it, just logically, straight up, looking at the the guys on the team, the Bucks versus the Hawks, you sit there and you go, okay. We know that talent wins in the NBA, right? Yep. If you look at all-stars and past all-stars, the Bucks have Giannis, who's been a two-time MVP, multiple-time all-star. You had Chris Middleton, who's been an all-star. And you also have Drew Holiday, who's been an all-star. Yep. You then look at the other roster for the Atlanta Hawks, and you go, okay, where are their all-stars? Trey Young. And it's Trey Young. Mm-hmm. And then you don't find any. Three yeah. guys that have been all stars in their career versus one, and somehow it's two to two. And you'd have to say a lot of people are saying this series is going in the Atlanta Hawks' favor. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Giannis is now banged up, probably out tonight. Trey Young still banged up, probably in tonight. That still leaves two guys that were all stars. It does. About Clint Capella, he might not be playing. Yeah, so that still leaves two all stars. And Drew Holiday. <laughs> The Bucks just right there. Okay, well, Rowdy, if you want to go all the way back to 2013, Brooke Lopez was also an all-star then. That just, again, <laughs> four all-stars. Four. <laughs> you still have three on the floor. Yep. Uh, so, yes or no? Assuming that Giannis is out, which I think we all can assume he's going to be out. He is doubtful. I don't think he's going to be playing. Do the Bucks beat the Hawks? They have to. <laughs> Cinderella Man says, is this a must-win or a can't-lose game? Yes. Yes. Definitely yes. All right, Rowdy, looking at the Twitter poll. A lot of people siding with the Bucks, winning tonight. This is an opportunity, like we've been saying, for Chris Middleton to shed off the haters and say, hey, I am that guy. Watch me do me. This is uh, time for Drew Holiday to be like, this is why they brought me in, to get it done. Brooke Lopez, step up. Uh, we need you know other players step up. Win one for Giannis. Hell, the Atlanta Hawks could win one for Trey Young when he was out. It's time for the Milwaukee Bucks, who on paper have more all-stars, the better team, to win one for Giannis. No structural damage to Giannis Antetokounmpo's knee. He is just going to be out with a hyperextension. How long? Timetable's uncertain. He is doubtful for tonight, though. 
I think Giannis is out. I think Trey Young is in. I don't think Giannis plays at all this series. Maybe Monday, but that's still pushing it. If they go game seven, I don't think I, Giannis plays. I would long. say my money would be on if the Bucks win tonight, Giannis would play in game seven. He'd try like to uh, Willis read it. <laughs> I, I, I that's what I I listen. The hyperextension of a knee, it's like two weeks minimum. Well, with no structural damage. And with no ligament damage, it's basically pain tolerance. Yeah. Let's whatever Aaron Rodgers was shot up with uh, against the Chicago Bears week one when he like busted his leg, give that to Giannis immediately. Bernie said he sat there yeah. for three days Matt with, Bernstein. with ice on his knee, nothing but ice. And, and Coors a, Light in his veins. And a few Coors Lights and some beer to dull the pain. And he was out playing football. A week and a half later. hit in the knees and the legs a week and a half later. This is basketball, no structural damage. No ligament tear. And like Bernie also said, he's going to have the best medical uh, help around the clock. Now, the, the thing that scares me the most about this, and you're right, he will have the best medicals. Is- and you have to think medicals and the um, all of the PT and everything, Bernie's talking about playing in like 05. This is another 15 years well, of advances. Well, Rowdy, the thing that scares me the most is it's a double-edged sword with Giannis Adenokumo having the best medicals. Because Matt Bernstein talked about having Coors Light flowing through his veins, not having the what Giannis has for medicals. I don't think the doctors that Giannis has are going to be prescribing Coors Light. That's the one thing that concerns me. We need to get Giannis some Coors Light ASAP to dull the pain of that knee like Matt Bernstein had, uh, the fullback for Wisconsin. That's the one thing that scares me. The all, lack of the I'm lack of alcohol. Is I think if uh well it is basketball, so they're a little softer than most. Yep. But uh, if it's all pain tolerance, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back game seven. God, I hope so. Let's go. <laughs> tough. Tough, tough. You could have had your moment in the sun. Instead you hung up. Probably probably Charlie, actually. Coors Light was probably calling. I mean Ice House was probably calling. All right, so it's uh if we were to run this Twitter poll yesterday, it would have been like I bet you an overwhelming no that the Bucks will lose. We decided to sleep on it, wait a day, unveil it on the uh, precipice the day of of Game 5. Right now, majority saying Bucks win tonight with no Giannis. God, I hope so. Pfizer form, you better be rocking. I don't want to see some dull energy like it was for Game 1 against the Atlanta Hawks. David Bakhtiari, he should be out there slamming Coors Light then on the sidelines, Rowdy. I welcome right Maybe back. Maybe that's how he got uh, rehabbed from his uh, ACL so quickly. Slam it. The Matt Bernstein approach. Put some ice on it and slam Coors Lights. And maybe some surgery. And, and maybe PT. a little surgery. But we don't we don't talk about that. We just talk about the, the beer.